0: You know, so many people are looking for the silver bullet. They're looking for the tip, the trick, right? Give me the secret to help me do this. Well, guess what? Everybody has the secret sauce. It's already inside of us. Depends on, do you want to go down that road to find it or not?
1: Welcome to the Redefining Sales podcast, where we reimagine and redefine sales in a digital world. In this new series, we have absolutely scoured the world to bring you only the best of the very best. We will be working with each of the thought leaders to unpack all of their years of experience, their pearls of wisdom and nuggets of gold into bite-sized chunks that will enable you to redefine your sales. Welcome to this week's episode of Redefining Sales Podcast. This week we have the absolutely incredible Larry Levine, and I loved this conversation. It was just refreshingly honest cutting to the point and just full of gold. So Larry, if you have not come across him before and you have been hiding under a rock, is the best-selling author of Selling from the Heart and co-host of Selling from the Heart podcast. Larry with the Selling from the Heart concept has created an entire movement and a real change in the approach to sales that is just unbelievably refreshing and well needed. In this episode we are going to unpack how Selling from the Heart came to life, what it actually means, and- And what it doesn't mean and the fundamental difference between what a sales rep does and what a sales professional does. And there's a really profound difference between the two. How you can learn to fish digitally. I love that expression. How you can use content as a prospecting tool and some of the keys to high performance sales. And what I love about Larry is his ability to just lay it out and cut to the chase on what it takes to play a high-performance game in the world of sales today. So tune in, get your pad and your pen, because there is going to be a lot of nuggets of gold in this episode, and enjoy. Today, we have got the amazing Larry Levine with us, who is the author of Selling from the Heart, um, sales guru extraordinaire, (laughs) podcaster, author, um, the list goes on. Um, Larry, Thank you so much for your time today. It's really amazing to have you here.
0: Uh, I've been looking forward to this. So I, I'm, I'm super excited. So that, let's just dive in, Abby.
1: Yeah. So look, I want to start around the backstory. So I've been, everyone, I've been gripped to Larry's book. And look how many tabs.
0: <laughs> I, hey, and yeah, you, Abby, Abby, I love sticky notes. It's, it's just, it brings a huge smile to my face. I love it.
1: And like hi- my highlighter got a good workout as well. <laughs> But my my problem is I've got a two-year-old and he pulls all the sticky tabs out. And now I'm like, no. <laughs> so I want to go into the backstory a little bit around Selling from the Heart. Because um, I, I really would love to understand where it came from and what the core concept is.
0: Yeah. um, And, and I love that you asked about backstory because, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer you don't know anyone you really know their backstory. So um, I didn't know Selling from the Heart actually started decades and decades ago. But it got brought to the forefront later on in my career. So I spent almost 30 years selling copiers in Los Angeles marketplace. Probably one of the most brutally competitive, highly commoditized, dog-eat-dog, high sales turnover channel you can possibly imagine. But it was about 22, 23 years ago. I had an aha moment. It was off of a cold call. And... Uh, some people call it co-call, some people call it pulling doors, but y'all get the expression. I walked in not knowing what to expect, right? And I walked into this not-for-profit organization called Johnny and Friends here in the Los Angeles marketplace. And it was started by a gal named Johnny Erickson Tata. And where her backstory lies is all going to tie in here really quick. And you'll understand is at 12 years old, she dove off of a dock, busted her neck, and has been a quadriplegic mm-hmm. No arms, can't use her arms nor legs since the age of 12. Now she's well into her sixties. And this organization was started for her to give back something to the community, the wheelchair bound community. She's a Christian lady. She has a Christian radio show and all that. I had no idea what I was walking into, but I was warmly welcomed by a receptionist and actually got to talk to somebody. If we fast forward through the whole journey with that organization, I put in one of their very first copiers as their company expanded. And I share this Mm -hmm. for a reason because after the copier was installed, now y'all listen to this one, their chief financial officer walked me around their organization and introduced me to every single employee in Johnny and Friends. Now, keep in mind, this is decades ago. I shook hands. It took hours. He didn't have to do this, but that was the nature of Johnny and friends. And right then and there, I go, wow, what would this be like if I brought this kind of compassion and care to my customers? I -hmm. took what I learned from Johnny and friends, which happens to be chapter seven of selling from the art. And I brought that to my customers. I brought deep emotion and connection. I made sure I got to know as many people as I could. I connected at levels that many salespeople wouldn't connect to. And I parlayed out into a very successful career by doing things completely polar opposite of everybody else. I put relationships and connection in front of everything else where most salespeople put sales in front of everything else. And it worked and it worked really well. And I combined it with all kinds of things because I was never afraid. I was never afraid to try new things. And I think that's where salespeople miss the mark and leadership misses the mark is they get caught in this is the way it's been going for so long. They forget that, right? Growth occurs by trying new things, new experiences mm-hmm. and so forth. So I did not know selling from the heart was kind of, that was the formation of it through a cold call, which turned into a sale, which turned into a lifelong friendship, which turned into parts of my book. But if we fast forward to to age 50, I get fired. I get fired from my very first job ever at 50 years old. I was in a, it was in the, call it the twilight of my career, but I was 50 years old. I was, I was on a corporate major account team and was in a unfortunate situation. We, a lot of us got relieved of our jobs at 50 years old. I got to find what am I going to do with myself? And I had to take a step back. And a lot of people might be going through that right now as we're recording this. And I, it was easy for me to go back into what I knew and what I knew was the copier industry. And I could have made really good money and rode off into a complacent sunset. But my wife said, Hey, maybe it's time for you to do something else. And I said, yeah. And I took a little bit of time off and I was at bottom Abby. I was literally at bottom making really good money. And then I get fired and the, I just had the rug just, and the carpet pulled out from underneath me. And I made one phone call and that one phone call, who is now my podcast partner, is my near and dear friend. That's Daryl Amy. And I called Daryl and I said, Hey, Daryl, this is what happened. I just got fired and I was tapping his network. I was calling Daryl to let him know. And I know I've known Daryl for a long time, salt of the earth. I love this guy. And all I was looking for was, do you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody? This is what happened. I was looking at inside of his network and he knew me and he goes, Hey, listen, he goes, I'm going to give it some thought and I'll call you back. Now I'm giving you all the condensed version of this, but I think y'all are starting to get the picture. And it didn't take him a couple of days. It took him a couple hours. And he calls me back and he said, Larry, he goes, I have never seen anyone connect and build relationships like you have in a market as competitive as selling copiers in Los Angeles. You got to go out and coach salespeople on what you did. And I go, I've never done any of this before in my life but I was willing to try new things and I was willing to double down on myself. And for the first year and a half, I was struggling. I'll I'll admit, I was struggling. The light bulb moment is when I looked at all the struggles that salespeople were having and I just flipped this around. And I said, I got to coach salespeople on how to connect at the heart level and build relationships. Everything else I think will come into play. Started a podcast off of just a thought And Daryl goes, what are we going to call this podcast? And I said, selling from the heart. And he goes, I'm in, but what are we going to talk about? And I said, we'll figure it out. Again, willing to try new things. And that's how we grow. And pretty soon the podcast takes off. And then the book comes out, not even three years ago, and my life's turned completely upside down, all because I'm willing to try new things, get out of my comfort zone, but I'm willing to bet on myself. And the best part about this is the inner circle that I've built have lifted me up instead of tear me down, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, that's and huge. It, it, and so we all have life lessons, right? We all have aha moments. We can all look back in time to when, you know, we could have been at rock bottom or we were at rock bottom. But if we're not willing to try new things, we will never grow. Mm-hmm. But we got to get over the whole the whole concept of oh, this isn't going to work and all the stories that we tell ourselves. Selling from the heart came to be because I was willing to double down on myself. And I was willing just to bring how I took care of my customers and how my approach to market. I go, you know what? This needs to be said in a way that needs to be said. In other words, I say things that oftentimes people think about, but they're too afraid to say.
1: I actually found that very refreshing in the book that you said a lot of what is known in the sales industry, um, but isn't necessarily said.
0: Yes, and and here and here's and here's the big question: is how come people don't want to talk about it? But here mm. here's what's here's what's interesting: people will talk about it in their personal lives, but yet when it comes to their professional lives, they don't want to talk about it.
1: Mm. So on that note, actually, no, I'm going to backtrack. I'm, I'm I'm getting excited, so I've got too many questions in my head. <laughs> Can we dig into a little bit more some of the concept be- behind selling the heart from the heart? Because what I think is interesting is, you know, when I first started my sales career, if you'd talked about selling from the heart publicly, uh-huh. it would be like, oh no, you know, that that's soft, that's fluffy. Whereas I've read your book and the real case studies that you present in it, I followed your journey, um, and you know, it's incredible the real tangible results. But actually, some people um, might still be in that mindset and that of that. Oh no, you know it sort of sounds too soft. So I I almost want to come back to actually some of the core beliefs around selling from the heart and then also how you shift those people who are not willing to refresh and be open to that new approach. Because actually, as you said in your book at one point, some of the soft skills are becoming actually the, the most important skills for high performance sales.
0: Well, if, if you think, God, there's a lot to unpack here. I'm looking Sorry. forward to it. No, no, it's all, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's all good. Um, Soft skills, you know, we, we kind of clump all of this into soft skills, but to me, it's almost the necessary skills of a sales professional today. I mean, look at, we're all human beings. We all connect and relate based on emotions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We all want and crave that sense of belonging. I was willing to bring that to the forefront in sales. Was I made fun of? Yes. Was I laughed at? Yes. Was I, was I poked at? Yes. Was I spoken to, were people talking behind my back? Yes. And, and I say this because in order to sell from the heart, you got to connect to your heart. And, and here's the backstory on this is I grew up with two sisters. I, my, my father was a rocket scientist for the United States air force and he traveled a lot. He was constantly gone in, in like kind of my nurturing years. So my mom was highly relational. And so she she was overbearing, but in a very loving way. And growing up with all sisters and no brothers and most of my cousins being female and an overbearing, highly relational mom, I kind of saw this connection at a heart level through a different set of lens than maybe most. And I said, you know, what would it be like if I brought that to the forefront? And again, I was willing to do this. I was willing to get vulnerable and connect with people because I was comfortable with it because that's how I was brought up. And I was mm-hmm. willing to do this in sales. So when I decided to write Selling from the Heart in the way that I wrote it, it's because I had to go through this journey to really uncover who I am. And it's really interesting when when I do deep team reads of my book with sales teams, I every single time, mark my word, I get somebody in sales who said, "How does all of this help me become a better salesperson?"
1: Yes, it, yes. it so happens. How do you answer that question?
0: Inevitably.
1: Yeah, and, I said, and it, hey, it's interesting because I saw it and I was like, I bet you there's some people who are going to say that.
0: And, 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 here, and here's why I wrote, you know, the first three chapters is about self-reflection and self-awareness and self-care and things like that. Because I looked back at my decades in sales and there wasn't one sales manager. And there's a difference between sales managers and sales leaders. I never really had a sales leader in my entire career. So, I chose to lead myself or lead myself. Is I never had one sales manager in any team I was on say, Hey, guess what, people? We're going to take a deep dive into who we are over the next two months. And thus, us doing this, you're going to become a better sales professional. It's always product centric, service centric, right? Stuff that's important, company centric, service centric type stuff. But nobody ever wanted to take salespeople on a journey. To hear to their heart. Mm-hmm. And I write about it in the very beginning of my book about sales chaos. Sales mm-hmm. is a brutally tough business to be in. And the highs are highs and the lows are lows. But what's been interesting and in how I can tie this all together, it's it's why we created the signature moment on the podcast. Is we always ask people, what's it mean to you to sell from the heart? And the best two responses that tie in, and I'll peel this and I'll kind of put this all together. Is I had one person say to me, it's hard to sell from the heart if your heart's broken. Mm. The second person said, it's hard to sell from your heart if you don't know what's in your heart. Now, you're going to get salespeople are going to go, this is too touchy-feely, mushy-gushy type thing. I get it, right? It's not for everybody. However, in the world that we live in today and what we've been through, if you take the heart out of this it's tough to truly connect to somebody. It really is. And we've all heard this expression in sales before that, um, and if you haven't, you're not in enough deals, by the way, is we've heard this expression. I'm going to use your name, Abby, if that's okay. You know, sometimes we've been let down on the wrong side of a deal like this. Hey, Abby, hey, I just want to let you know you did great work in this. you know we, do, uh, we did our due diligence, but you know, I don't want you to take this personal. We decided to take our business or we chose to do business with someone else. Don't take this personal. It was only a business decision. Well, guess what? Business is personal. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I'm here to just poke the bear at it that says this, the more personal you make business, the more heart, the more sincerity, the more business substance you bring to the forefront, the better off you will be. But it's the stories that we tell ourselves that prevent us from really seeing the fruition of this. So to me, right, the beginning of selling from the heart occurs with finding the journey back to your heart. And that Mm -hmm. means, you know, finding out, you know, what makes you tick, taking care of yourself, becoming aware of who you are. And this requires some deep soul searching. But I promise you this, that once you do this, you'll become a better sales professional. Here's why I know this, because I saw congruency a long time ago that The more congruent I was in my life, the easier it became to sell. Mm -hmm. The less chaos I had, the easier it has become to sell. If y'all get what I'm saying, but we just don't, we we just don't want to go there. We don't want to connect the heart into what we do, but yet we bring the heart into our personal things, but we take the heart out of our professional things. Just doesn't, doesn't work. It does Mm -hmm. not work. So in order to really understand what it means to sell from the heart, you got to reconnect and get reacquainted with your heart. Mm. That's my two cents, and I'm sticking to
1: it. No, it's really interesting. Actually, we, I'll really, really, really quickly share it, because um, I don't want to take away from my huge list of questions I have for you. <laughs> um, we had a guy called Chris Modell on um, previous week, and he is the number one sales rep for a company called EmployShore. And this guy is, just absolutely incredible and so many parts of his story resonated with your book as well he looks at himself as how do I treat myself like the sales athlete how do I serve he showed me his scoreboard in his office with how many people have I served and he also starts every single morning with his self-care rituals um his other rituals and so on and you know it's building up those that massive amount of discipline and treating himself like the athlete and and you know, I won't go into it too much more, but it was exactly many of the concepts that you talk about. And this guy is just absolutely on top of his game. And you can see how the two are just so intertwined. But I think bizarrely, it's actually probably only come to the forefront as a conversation in the past couple of years, I feel.
0: Yeah, you know, it it was interesting because I'm, I'm. I love asking questions and I'm really inquisitive. I'm really curious. And I remember I would always ask my clients, what do you like? What do you don't like about salespeople? What do you really crave from a salesperson? What do you hate about a salesperson? What'd be a really great experience? What's a horrible experience look like? What's going to wow you? What's over the top jaw dropping service that you're going to get from somebody? And I started to formulate all of this. But here's what was interesting, and again, it goes back to, I'm not afraid to try things, is the more comfortable I made somebody feel, the more comfortable they started becoming, and they started to share uncomfortable things about their Mm -hmm. business. These would be things they wouldn't tell the average salesperson. Because here's what salespeople got to realize, that this is one of the most untrustworthy professions, I'm sorry, but People just don't trust salespeople. They're skeptical about everything they have to say. And they think they're fully, you know what? I'll throw the BS factor into this. So we already have three strikes going against us before we even enter into a conversation because perception's reality. So I just said, hey, you know what? If I can connect to the heart, I get somebody to open up a whole lot faster. So I was all about speed to heart. The faster Mm -hmm. I can get to Abby, the faster I can get to her heart, the faster I can connect to her, the faster I can relate to her, the faster she's going to open up to me. It's not rocket science stuff. However, right, and I don't even have a PhD in any of this stuff. It's just, I I think it's just a gift. It's just a gift of, I find it easy to connect and relate to people. Mm
1: -hmm. And it disrupts that pattern and that expectation. You know, we have a certain in our head, we still have that concept of used car salesman and it's very, very, very outdated. So when you come in with this fresh approach that's genuine and it's real and it's that servant mindset that you talk about, it disrupts all expectations and all those beliefs that people have around a salesperson.
0: Well, yeah, you know, it's interesting that you bring up pattern interrupts and things like that. But, Mm. you know, so many people are looking for the silver bullet. They're looking for the tip, the trick, right? Give me the secret to help me do this. Well, guess what? Everybody has the secret sauce. It's already inside of us. Depends on do you want to go down that road to find it or not. Mm. But it was interesting. I remember my very first business coach at 40. I hired my first business coach at 40 years old. And he goes... And this is a one one of the best lines he ever laid on me. He goes, "You want to know the key to success as being a salesperson?" I said, "I don't know, lay it on me. I'm paying you, so just lay it on me." He goes, "Stop acting like a salesperson."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I go, "What the heck does that mean?" Right? <laughs> Do the polar opposite of what people expect from a salesperson. And I'm not saying this is my message isn't going to resonate with everybody, and that's okay. Right. And I'm I'm totally I'm totally cool with that. However. If you want to build deep, meaningful relationships, and and here's where I'm going to poke the bear a little bit, is if you ask many in sales, do their clients matter? Do the relationships with their clients matter? Of course, everyone's going to say yes. Then what are you doing to build deep, meaningful relationships with your customers? And the only way to do this is you got to bring heart into the equation. And if you don't bring heart into the equation, you're just like every other salesperson out there and you're keeping it at the surface level. Stop and think about that for a moment
1: yeah and and that brings me really, really, really nicely to something that i'm I really want to talk about throughout the book. You talk about the difference between a sales professional and a sales rep, and you reference it continuously throughout the book as examples. And it's really interesting when you actually, you know, when you put the two side by side, how, (laughs) how you've done, how you've done that. Can you talk to us about that? Because I think we've started to touch on it in a couple of places, but I want to really elaborate and dig into that.
0: Yeah. um, I I did this for a reason. Again, this isn't to disrespect the sales world by no means, because I'm just, I love every aspect of sales, but it's to get people to think it's called a profession for a reason. If you look at all the professions that are out there, right? Love them or hate them. I'm just going to name a couple of them, right? Doctors, lawyers, right? Um, Maybe college professors, things like that. People who have high esteemed careers and job titles. They're constantly honing in on their craft. They have to do continuous education, right? They're held to a higher degree of standards. Well, guess what? If sales is a profession, which it is, it's a very noble one. Then you have to plan. You have to prepare. You have to practice. You have to be do. You have to do the things that's required to become a professional. Otherwise you're just a sales rep. And, you know, I, I throw, you know, I throw little funny things in the book to just to bring this out. I said, Hey, listen, sales professionals do the things that sales reps find excuses for. And a, and a lot of times, you know, the, and I bring in professional athletes into this book, into the book as well is professional athletes hire coaches. They practice, they plan, they prepare. They're diligent about what they, they do. They have discipline. They're no excuse mentality. Why can't this be brought into sales? And, and I expand upon it behind the you know inside the book. But again, it just boils down to you got to plan every day. You got to prepare every day. You got to practice every day. You got to hone in on your craft. You got to constantly be learning. You gotta hold yourself to a higher degree of standard than everybody else. You gotta be willing to to lead yourself and hold yourself accountable. These are the things that professionals do. And if you're not willing to do it and you still want to be in sales, then I'm just gonna call you a sales rep and then just call it for what it is. I mean, sorry, but it is what it is.
1: Mm. I have this theory that a lot of the time we know what to do, but we don't do it. So a lot of the time when I'm talking to people in sales. It, the conversation will turn to something like follow up, and everyone will go, Oh, yeah, haven't had time to do a follow up and just been smashed, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and so, a lot of the time, what I see is the things that are missing. It's that common sense isn't common practice, and that often we move away from the basics that are actually the fundamentals that make us perform. That's my theory.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, uh, and it's why I say that many in sales are consistently inconsistent. <laughs> it, it, it's just right. It's a, can I share a story? Yes. Okay. So, um, you got me thinking as I was listening to what you're saying, I, I just have to bring this out. Um, so when I was dating my wife, so now I'm going to take everyone back, right? This is like 30 years ago, but this plays out to exactly what you were just saying. So it was, um, so to give you an idea, my father-in-law just recently passed, but my father-in-law was from the state of Oklahoma in the United States. My mother-in-law was from Mississippi in the South. And if you put them both together, they probably had a sixth grade education. Love them to, Just love them to death, but that's just how they were raised, the time and the generation and so forth. Two blue-collar, hardworking people. And as I was dating my wife, but y'all get the picture. She won my wife, but I can't say I was dating my girlfriend, but right. But y'all get it, right, Abby?
1: Yep. You get where we're going <laughs> with this?
0: So, you know, um, we were sitting at the dinner table. They knew that it was getting serious. They knew that the question was going to be asked. They knew that this was going down the marriage route. They just, they sensed it. So we're all sitting at the dinner table one night. And my mother-in-law has a southern United States accent. I can't do it justice, but for just one for this one word, I'm gonna bring it out. She still to this day calls me boy, B-O-Y, but she'll say, boy, like that. Boy. And so we're all sitting at the dinner table. They know it's she knows it's getting serious. And she goes, Boy, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna pass on some lifelong lessons that were shared by my mom to my brothers and my sisters. And I think it's time you you hear this. I said, okay, fine, right? And my wife, you know, is kicking me under the table, my girlfriend at the time, but y'all get the picture. And she says, listen, if you can't do the little things correctly, you'll never be able to do the big things correctly. And then there's a just a silent little pause. And she says, don't ever half-ass your sales career. Those two things I took to heart and it stuck with me. And I say this because you brought up the basics and the fundamentals. Those are the little things. If we're unwilling to do the little things, how can we do these big things? How can we do these things that require some hmm. brain effort and all that if we've never doubled down on the little things, the core foundation, basic stuff in sales?
1: Hmm.
0: Think about that one. Hmm. That's why we chase yes. that's why we chase the silver bullet when we want quick fixes to things. Everyone in sales, and, and pardon the expression on this one, but I believe a vast majority of people in sales, they want the quick fix. They're not willing to do the work. Just tell me how to get somewhere as fast as possible with minimal amount of work.
1: Mm.
0: Sorry, but that's how I feel. So
1: so what's your what's your advice on that? So if if, it's got, if someone's listening to this and going, yep, and we all like, hey, I'm going to put my hand up. We all have points yeah. where you fall off the horse um, and you need to get back on the horse and you need to rebuild your habits and you need to rebuild better habits. You know, I'm in that zone at the moment around some of my personal stuff. This morning I was out for a run. I was sort of doing it and I'm rebuilding habits um, post-baby where I fell off the horse on certain things. So we all have that. So if someone's listening and going, actually, you know what? I need to get back to these fundamentals and I need to start again. And sometimes it can just feel almost t- too big to even do the basics, as weird as that sounds. Where do you recommend people start?
0: Um, well, a, cu- a couple different ways is the first thing I'd have them really start thinking about is how they start their mornings off. Hmm. Just just think about this for a moment is, and this is all going to tie together, but I'm a big believer that if you can just capture the morning, the first hour or so in some kind, with some kind of rhythm, with some kind of routine, with some kind of ritual, it propels you through the day. The same thing applies to getting back to the basics in sales. So if I ask salespeople, well, what do you think the core basics of what you have to do is? Well, the first part of this, agree or not, it's prospecting. That's where everything makes or breaks it in sales, right? It's in the very beginning of this. And it all starts with prospecting. And I saw this my very first year in sales. I saw inconsistent prospecting. So maybe it's the personality that I have and how I was raised. But I have a a very strong work ethic. and, And I think it goes back to having a rocket scientist as a father and just what he instilled in me. But I took certain things to heart. I didn't, you know, I wasn't forced into sales. I chose sales. And I knew that the core foundation of sales was prospecting, opening up conversations, building relationships, asking great questions, doing great discovery, advancing it through the journey, closing it, opening up and expanding the relationship, creating better experiences. Now I'm keeping it high level. So if I'm going back and I'm working with salespeople who've gotten off their edge a little bit or they're off their game, I can almost guarantee you it all goes back to prospecting, Mm -hmm. right? A a tenured salesperson, right? A well-tenured salesperson who's lost their mojo, who's lost the spark or the it factor. Maybe they lost an account or they're struggling in certain areas. I I can almost guarantee you can trace it all the way back. So they haven't prospected and opened up any new conversations, built any new relationships, made any new connections. So where I'm going to start is I'm going to take everyone right back to the basics. And to me, the basics starts with understanding how to prospect and open up conversations, build new connections, and build new relationships.
1: Yeah. And on that, so you talk in the book a lot about being obviously avid about prospecting, and you talk about the different, obviously, types of prospecting, whether that's you know face-to-face, um, and offline, and then you also talk about online um, and social media. And I'm actually going to quote you because there's a, a quote that I loved. You talked about um, in terms of online and social channels as, as one of the ways to prospect. You talked about learn how to digitally, wait, I can't say it now, learn <laughs> how to digit on a podcast and you can't talk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> learn how to digitally fish in the same online ocean that their clients prospect and educate themselves within. And I loved that quote. And I don't know why it just really stuck with me. And I was like, that is really good. And I think it resonates with, you know, I don't want to go too far into it, but it resonates with where we're at in Australia right uh, now, where the majority of the country are in lockdown, lockdown or no lockdown. Either way, we actually have to understand how to digitally fish. So can I talk to you about that piece and for sales reps or sales professionals, I should say, that are not necessarily as comfortable in that world? You know, what's what's your advice there?
0: Yeah. Um <laughs> I'm glad that you picked out that quote because I actually it's one of my favorites. Is, I love it. Uh, uh, let me start off by saying I'm a pretty old school guy, right? Now I grew up. The first part of my journey in sales was pre-internet, so uh, I'm going to bring in. I'm going to answer this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring in a book to this, and then we're, and then we're going to really expand on this. Is the second the second book I read in sales was How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Love it, And, and that book was written in 19, I believe 1937. And if good old Dale was alive and well today, he'd be laughing because the core principles of that book is alive and well today. And to me, what I took from that book as the core principles is you're building relationships and changing the way people think. Now I was doing that before all these, you know, Pre-digital, it was building relationships and changing the way people think were via the phone and face to face, but that was it. Well, we got to learn how to adapt and adopt if we want to survive in sales. And this is where the struggle is. Plus, there's all kinds of noise out there right now with do this, do that, don't do this, do this. And I think salespeople's minds and leadership have become paralyzed. They don't know what to do because there's so much noise on the internet now. So. Um, as time went on, I just had to learn how to adapt to the changing surroundings in my environment. And again, I have a no excuse mentality. Instead of finding reasons why this doesn't work, I just found reasons why it could work. If you get what I'm saying, mm-hmm. Abby. Mm-hmm. So as, as I took the whole philosophy of that book, and then as right, the Internet started to come about, and as social started to become, right, this thing. And I was coached to it early on in my career, 2006, 2007, because I saw I saw how hard it was that to grab someone's attention, people are hiding behind email and voicemail back in the early 2000s. I mean, it's 10 times worse today. But I started seeing this play out. And my very first business coach taught me something. It's taught me something. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. He goes, you got to learn how to play. This was back then in the online sandbox. You got to learn how to walk and talk as well as you're doing it face-to-face and out in the marketplace. You got to replicate that online. I had no clue. I just took his advice, but I was willing to do it Mm -hmm. and I was willing to reposition myself. And right. I had a little mini website. This is before I knew anything about LinkedIn and I started uncover all these tools, but I want to get, and the reason being is because I put that quote in that book for a reason is we got to learn how to fish where our customers are at, where our buyers are at. We can't go fishing where our buyers are at and our customers are at because they don't hang out in libraries doing research, (laughs) right? They hang out online. It's where we're at. I'm not to say, I'm not, you will never catch me saying, do this, do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. We got to use all the tools that are out there to the best of our ability. We just happen to be living in a digitally driven world. where are social creatures. We're highly connected. We live through networks. If I want to find out something about Abby White, right? All I'm going to do is go to LinkedIn or I'm going to go to Google and see where it takes me. Mm-hmm. And that's what I started to do. And and here and here's where I say we got to digitally fish, where our where our customers and our buyers hang out is to me, you got to to me. The, here, this is my one of my favorites is listening to the new prospecting.
1: Yeah, so, I like so. <laughs>
0: so we got we when, when I say we got to digitally fish is I bring I'm a, I'm a pretty simple guy. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that have convoluted the whole social concept and so forth. But I was just a simple guy. There's enough content out on the internet that a salesperson can just curate what's already out there. They just have to be willing to read and learn things, right, that their clients and their buyers are reading. And that's what I started doing as a salesperson is I just built a great social presence. I was proactive and I spoke about it. I used content to open up conversations and connect with people and to educate people and engage with people. I'm a sales guy. I'm not a marketing person. I will be the first one to throw that up there. But I learned how to use content to create a conversation. And again, maybe call it my gift, but I would engage with people leveraging content. And I'd pay attention to my customers and I'd pay attention to the people I'd like to do business with. And I found out that if people were hiding behind voicemail and people were hiding behind email, that the easiest thing for me to do is pay attention to them, pay attention to what they were putting online for one simple reason. People put things online because they want to be seen and heard. If they didn't want to be seen and heard, they wouldn't put anything out there. That's my two mm-hmm. cents. So I just learned how to fish. And when I say fishes, I was fishing for conversations. I was learning something about people. I was throwing my voice in it. I was throwing my two cents in it. And I put a human voice behind an emoji or a like, or something like that, if you get what mm-hmm. I'm saying. And I just, I just learned how to d- drop the digital fishing pole right into online conversations mm-hmm. and just engage. And I think that's the missing link is the true engagement behind it. Not just, hey, great article. Not just, hey, I thought that was great. But truly reading it, grabbing something from it, making that person feel good that they put something out there. Mm-hmm. And this is what I got from it. But if we're not willing to digitally fish, it's going to be hard to catch conversations. And I I know wholeheartedly that nothing happens in sales, whether that be face-to-face or online, until you start a conversation with somebody. Yeah.
1: And I think it's also, for me, it's it's actually probably um, tying back into your message around selling from heart. What I think is interesting that I notice in Take the LinkedIn world is a lot of the time they'll be take a company post and just reshare it. And it, it's kind of just got all um, the lingo and it doesn't have, hey, this is what I enjoyed about it. Or these were the three things that I took away from it. Or, you know, you should speak to Larry because actually what I really like about his message is this. A- and it's just more a, you know, I think there's a misunderstanding sometimes of social selling that if I've gone on LinkedIn and I've shared a couple company posts without my two cents, I've just shared or I've liked, then I've engaged. And to <laughs> me, that is isn't engagement.
0: Yeah, here I I hate to tell you a little secret, but here's the secret: social selling's not new.
1: Yeah,
0: it's not. It, it's really not. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something out there. I was social selling back in the '80s. It was just called sales. <laughs> There's a social aspect that's that's been around forever and a day with sales. The only thing that's changed, Abby, are the tools. That's it. But we've we've you know. It's just my expression. There's all kinds of spin doctors out there that are spinning this in all different kinds of ways. It's no different, right? I was still building relationships and changing the way people think with the tools that I had at the time when I started in sales. Now there's all different ways to communicate and engage and connect with people. It could be phone, it could be email, it could be social, right? Social being all the media that's out there. It could be text message, it could be video, People communicate in a bunch of different ways, but we have to use every single, excuse me. We have to use every single tool imaginable. And I even write about it in selling from the heart and I use a golf analogy. You know, there's 14 golf clubs in a standard golf bag between clubs and putters and a specialty wedge and all kinds of things. And a professional golfer can use every single club, iron, wedge, whatever in their bag to the best of their ability, depending on where the ball is on the course. Here's my concern with salespeople. They're going to war out there with two clubs in their bag, phone and email, right? spotty use of social, inconsistent use of everything. You can never get consistent results if you're inconsistently going to market with all these tools. And then what happens is you pay attention to all the social noise, Right. You pay attention to everybody who claims to say, I've got the cure for all of your sales woes. And you just get hypnotized and you fall right into all of the stuff that's online. Sorry. I love Sorry for the tangent. I lo-
1: no, I love it. And and it actually brings me on to something that I also love that you sort of, if we're myth busting as well and sort of break it, breaking perceptions. One thing that I also like is you talk about, you know, nothing is, nothing is dead. You know, there's always this um, cold calling is dead or, Uh, direct mail is dead or whatever is dead. And actually, I love that you actually try and bust that one because like someone that I know um, who we used to work with, um, this guy is a machine at cold calling and has got into one of the top four banks in Australia through a cold call and has massive, massive corporate accounts. And there's so much like you just sort of reference spin doctors and hype around this is dead, that is dead, and this is the new coolest thing to do. And I love that you actually bust that one at going. Actually, nothing is dead. Actually, as you said, social selling's been around for a long time. It's just almost using the tools but a slightly different way because new ways become available, and we're still going back to the same principles. If that's from you know how to how to win friends and influence people or others, but we're just we're just maybe communicating on a different platform or in a different way. But nothing is dead.
0: It's totally and, and it's I just saw I just saw something on LinkedIn today. I don't even correspond to these things anymore. Because it's just hilarious, right? I almost wanted to say, you know what? It's going to be, so what are we in 2021? It'll be 2025 and people are still going to be saying co-calling's dead, mm-hmm. right? To me, co-calling's still alive and well. The problem with co-calling is most salespeople's messaging stinks. Mm-hmm. Think about that one for a second. It's it's not that anything's dead. It's just the person who happens to be making the outreach messaging is awful the phone's still alive and well email's still alive and well I, I have a i have a good friend of mine here um can i can i share his name yeah so his friend's my friend's todd capone and he wrote the book the transparency sale i love this guy he's just i just love every aspect about todd and he's a true sales historian literally a sales historian he'll go back and find things from 100 years ago that is so relevant to today but I ca- I caught him on I caught him on a podcast about six months ago, and he said something that's pretty interesting. He goes, "Salespeople will find a way to screw up everything, <laughs> right? Email came out. Salespeople found a way to screw it up. Sales managers found a way to screw it up, right? LinkedIn and social came to be. Salespeople found a way to screw it up. But I think it was a funny way of just saying that we can do so much better than we're doing, but we pay attention to the noise." as opposed to doing what we know is the right thing to do. There's nothing dead. There really isn't. It's just that people love to pontificate online about what's right and what's wrong. However, I do know this because I'm in and out of so many different industries. I'm in an industry right now where they don't even really use social. And the company is $150 million a year, but they're in a channel. They're in a sales vertical in a channel that is highly relational, highly face-to-face, and you can still walk into somebody's office. Now, granted, you know, it's kind of been interrupted for the time being, but I think you all get what I'm saying is we make these generalities because one channel is extremely social, that therefore all these other things don't work. We got to understand the industries that we're in and the tools to effectively communicate in those industries.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you
0: go, if you go, what I'm saying,
1: and and on that note, I want to bring you back to because it's a topic close to my heart. I want to bring you back to where you talked about one of the tools is how you use content to start a conversation, and. One thing that I think is interesting around that is there's probably historically been a perception, well, it's marketing's job to produce content and marketing should give me the content as a salesperson. And I don't have anything to share because marketing haven't done it. And you kind of bust that again in, in Selling from the Heart um, from in the book, because you also talk about how as sales professionals, we should also be responsible for doing that. And and so I want I want you to dig into that one for me, because I think, again, it will really help with where we're at right now, where actually we do have slightly less tools available for Uh a limited period of time whilst we're in lockdown.
0: So um, again, this is sales centric, but I grew, I grew up in a time where I didn't have a, I never had a marketing department until maybe later on when I got into corporate sales in the, in the latter part of my copier career. But for a vast majority of my career, I was responsible for everything. I was responsible for you know, I, I hate to use the terms, Abby, but I'm going to use it anyway. Is I was, I I was responsible for hunting and farming. I had to find all my leads. I had to add things to my funnel. It was my responsibility. That's just that's just the world that I grew up in. And some people are going to find that hard to believe. But it I I just learned that if I don't do this, nobody else is going to do it. And that's the mentality that I took. Um Again, marketing serves a purpose. And again, I'm not a marketing person. I don't, you know, I, but I will bust the myth that salespeople can, can write, salespeople can share content, salespeople can open up conversations. Salespeople are in the trenches. Marketing people aren't. Salespeople are, they get the snot kicked out of them every single day. Marketing people don't. Marketing people spray out there. Salespeople need to have one-to-one conversations with people. But where I really started to really hone in on this is when I started to uncover. And again, I just went back. And I again, I'm not, I'm not afraid to try new things. I would ask my customers, where do they go to find content? Where are they educating themselves? Where are their go-to sites? Where do they go? And I started to build a pool of where they were going. And I just created favorites you know, online and I went in there every single day and I found something to share. I learned something new. I would ask my customers, you know, what are you working on? And I started just to formulate things and I just threw it out there. Again, this isn't rocket science stuff, but I just started to figure out that, you know what? I can do this stuff. It's not difficult. I mean, and then, you know, what marketing does serve up Call it gravy, call it icing on the cake. But a true sales professional is going to add things to the top of their funnel. They're going to generate activity to add to the top of the funnel. They're going to find no excuses for it. They're going to advance things through the funnel. They're going to they're going to create outstanding customer experiences and all this in the world that we live in today with content and staying top of mind. They're going to educate people. They're going to engage with people. But whatever they get from marketing – is icing on the cake. I think what ha- I think what's happened is like SDR, again, I'm gonna poke the bear on this one. So I, I if if I get backlash, oh well. But SDRs and BDRs and marketing departments, in my opinion, have made salespeople really lazy. Mm. And we're waiting for these people to give us leads, however, y'all wanted to find a lead. To me, the best sales that I ever made were the ones I created for myself. Mm. That means I got to constantly be prospecting. I got to constantly be opening new conversations. I got to constantly be building new relationships. I got to, you know, in chapter nine is selling from the heart. I talk about content and how content creates conversations, but I got to stay top of my game and I can't wait, right? It's so funny because salespeople say, oh, I don't have time to do all this stuff. Well, define stuff. What are you doing that takes you away from the core of what you're supposed to do? I remember this goes back about, well, this person came on in May. We had one of the top AEs from Salesforce on the Selling from the Heart podcast. Okay. This person makes it the very, very, it's a high achiever, high earner at Salesforce. And this person then came on to, a, to a, um, a private group that we have called Selling from the Heart Insiders Group. And this person came on, this is about 30 days ago and I want everyone to key in on this because I think this was just gold, but it was so simple as gold. He said, where my career started to take off is when I understood RGAs. It's an acronym for revenue generating activities. Mm -hmm. And I held myself accountable to revenue generating activities. It wasn't marketing's responsibility. It wasn't BDRs or SDRs. I held myself accountable to revenue generating activities. And when I looked at my day, he looked at it as, am I putting things, are the activities I'm doing right now, putting things in the top of my funnel or are the things that I'm doing, advancing things out of the bottom of my funnel? And if I'm not doing any of those, then I question, what am I doing? And mm-hmm. think about this in sales as we get caught up with this stuff. Hey, I'm just, I'm busy, right? I'm doing stuff. I can't do this. I can't do this social stuff. I can't create content, right? I'm too busy doing these other things. Well, what are you doing? And that's that's what I want people in sales to think about. I believe everybody can do this. It's the choices that we make. Now mm-hmm. think about that in the situations that we're in right now. We all have choices, right? Yeah, you can't go out and prospect face-to-face if that's what you like to do. So instead of just waiting and hoping, which is not a strategy, do something about it. Reeducate yourself, reinvent yourself. Learn how to prospect differently. Learn how to open up conversations differently. Get some new skill set. Hire a coach. Hire a mentor. Pick up the phone. Call your customers. Ask them what are they working on. What's the next six months look like for them? There's all kinds of things that salespeople could be doing right now to generate content, to generate activities. It's just people either find excuses not to do it, or they'll find a way to do it. My opinion. Mm. And I'm sticking to it.
1: No, I, I I love it. I I think it's also um, I've got a quote on my whiteboard, so I'm going to try and turn around and read it. And there's also around ra- a quote from um, a lady called Renee Kylie, who you won't know, but she no. is uh, she is incredible. She was an entrepreneur who overweight had a Red Bull and a cigarette for breakfast, um, and she saw a triathlon. And I know I'm going left field here, but there's a reason. No, it's and all good. She saw the she saw this triathlon and was like, huh. I could do that. She hadn't exercised. She was in her 30s, hadn't exercised since, you know, teenage years at school when you're forced. And she decided, right, that's it, I'm going to do it. And long story short, she became in her 30s, a professional triathlete, has now given up her business. And she talks about that around Well, we can make the excuses or we can actually do it. And she talks about the first step towards getting somewhere is deciding that you're not going to stay where you are. And I have it on my wall as a thing to go, it, it's sometimes it's taking that first step and committing to, I'm not going to make these excuses anymore. And, and I've had to do this myself. You know, I've had to really adapt after having a kid and going, oh, that's, that's throwing a spanner yeah. in the work.
0: Yeah. So, I, I mean, there's a quote, it's early on in selling from the heart and it says, and you know, I want people to really key in on this. And then, and then I'm going to share a quick story again is how do you expect to get noticed in a marketplace if nobody knows you exist? I'll repeat that one again. How do you expect to get noticed in a marketplace if nobody knows you exist? Now I'll, I'll even expand upon this even more. How do you expect to get noticed in a marketplace when some of your clients don't even know you exist? And and I'm going to, the reason why I bring this up is. When selling from the heart, you know, w- when I kind of brought this to the forefront, I had zero. Let me tell you, I had zero clients, not one. I didn't have a Brinks truck with a ton of money to fund my lifestyle and all that. But what I did is I was willing to double down on myself and reinvent myself. But I used how I grew up in the latter part of my career, leveraging social. And I said, the way am I going to get noticed in a marketplace? is I got to put myself out there.
1: Mm.
0: And there's a quote on the front of my book from Keenan, right? And you can see that on the, on the front of selling from the heart, Mm -hmm. right? So I want to, I want to share this because I had a conversation with him. This would have been December. I'm trying to think December, 2015. I had read his first book was not taught. Now he wrote gap selling and gap selling has been a worldwide phenomenon. And so I had read Not Taught, we were connected on LinkedIn, but I had read Not Taught like October, November of 2015. And still to this day, every great book that I read, I try to reach out to the author and say, you wrote a great book. I try to connect to him on LinkedIn. I try to have a conversation with him. So I took a shot at this and I sent I sent Keenan a message inside LinkedIn. I said, hey, you wrote a great book. Totally up to you, right? I'd love to just hop on a call with you, share what I thought of the book totally up to you. Here's my phone number. And he shot me a message back. He goes, Hey, let's talk fast forward a couple of weeks. We talk two weeks before Christmas, 2015, we shared backstories and, and so forth. And he shared how, you know, we had some similar things happen to us at the later stages of our career. And he said something that really stuck into my head. Abby, he said, the way I got noticed is I wrote an article and I blogged every single day for, I think it was well past two years. It was 700 and some odd straight days. And that's how he got noticed. And that's how his business kind of was born. He goes, Larry, he goes, who's your target audience? And I shared with him at the time, I was hyper-focused in the channel that I'd came out of. He said, learn how to write. Abby, this is what he said. Learn how to write. Learn how to speak to your audience. And if I go back and I said, okay, I'll be, I'll try this. And my writing was horrible. But I made a commitment, I said, and, and I still remember this as plain as day, I've heard Keenan repurpose this story a million times. And I said, hey, Keenan, I'll make a promise to you. I will write an article every single day. And he goes, right, he uses very colorful language, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> and he dropped some colorful language on me. And he said, don't make the promise to me, make it to yourself. I said, okay, I'm, f- I'm fine, but I'm on a call with you. I will write something every single week. Abby, since that art, since that conversation, I have written an article every single Sunday since two weeks before Christmas, 2015. I've been on vacation. I've been sick. I don't feel like it, but I've done it. How do you expect to get noticed in a marketplace when nobody knows you exist? We all have ideas, right? We all have experiences. Pat from the past, we all have current experiences, I just took those and I started writing. The more I wrote, the better I became. Mm. The more I wrote, it resonated with people. The more consistent I became. I built an audience with it, and that podcast is born, and then the book's born i'm I, hey people i 'm fifty six years old i 'll be fifty seven in a couple months i, I right i'm going to bust the myth that you 're never too old to do this. My career started in entrepreneurship in my fifties. I had to learn how to write in my fifties. I had to learn what social was all about in my fifties. I had to learn how to write a book in my fifties. So if, if there's something that y'all can take away from this, especially in the situations that we're in right now is you got to bring a no excuse mentality to everything that you do. And you got to be willing to try new things. And if you're not willing to try new things in sales, then I'm going to say, get out of sales, go find something else. But you know, um, one another story, story. But um, I'm a big Steve Harvey fan. If you all know who Steve Harvey is here in the United States, he no. he hosts the Family Feud. He's a he's a well known comedy oh, guy okay. in the United States. Um, one of the things, that, and I love watching this. There's a you can find it on YouTube. Is he talks about a gift, and he said everyone's been given a gift. And I'm a firm believer in this. And and I think this is what's helped bring selling from the heart to the forefront is he said at birth, everyone's been given a gift and it's something that comes easy and natural to you. Now, Steve Harvey says his gift was he has the gift of being funny because he believes you don't go to school to be funny. You're either funny or you're not funny. Well, I believe that my gift or my secret sauce was my It just comes easy and natural to me to connect at a heart level with somebody, to bring passion, to bring sincerity, to bring substance and connectability to the forefront. That comes easy and natural to me. It doesn't for some other people, and that's okay. But I'd say uncover your gift in sales and double down on that and bring that to the market and don't hold it back. But I think what happens is we pay attention to the noise and we're fearful of what other people will think. What I'd rather people think about is do what's the right thing. Do the right thing that's in your heart and watch what starts to happen.
1: Yeah. That is very, very, very powerful. So I want to quickly do two very quick fire questions. <laughs> one question is we have covered so much ground. I have so many notes and like, <laughs> covered a lot of ground. If there was one Thing that you could leave people with one thing that people could start with today what would it be
0: um this is what i you always say i wish i would have known this when i was younger i'm, I'm going to share an equation because i've seen this play out in my in in what's happened as we're bringing selling front. I, I never expected this to be a movement and all that it's just hey i uh, i'm bringing myself to the forefront but a very near and dear friend of mine, is a coach and mentor. His name's Dave Sanderson. Dave Sanderson has a very unique backstory. Um, he was, a, he was a, an enterprise, highly successful enterprise sales rep for Oracle. He happened to be involved with the crash at the Hudson that turned into the movie Sully. He was one of the last people off that crash. And he had some life altering moments and he went through some, you know, turmoil and some troublesome time. He happened to become the head of security for Tony Robbins later on in his life and through his mentors and through Tony Robbins, he introduced and coached me to a quote. And this is how I'd like to leave everybody to think about, because I've seen this quote now play out in my career. And if this can play out in other people's careers, and if this can help, then, you know, hang on with me. The equation is simple. It's P plus T times MA times RA. And I'll go through what each one of those are. And the P plus T are in parentheses, you know, like an algebraic equation. The P is purpose. The T is talent. I encourage everyone, uncover your purpose, double down on your talent, take massive action on it, the MA, and find the right associations. And if I would have known that equation earlier on in my career, who knows where I'd been. But I was introduced to it the latter part of my career, and I was reintroduced to it right now through Dave Sanderson. And I go, the right associations have played out. In bringing selling from the heart to the forefront, so how does this relate to salespeople out there? is uncover your purpose, right? Do some self-reflection and some self-awareness and really uncover your purpose. Continue to hone in on your talent. That's the skill set part of this. Take massive action on it and hold yourself accountable and form the right associations. The right associations are your clients uncover your clients' circles and their circles and form the right associations and watch what happens to your career. It will play out.
1: Mm. That is very, very, very powerful. I've got that one noted down as well. My final question is a really mean one. Other (laughs) than your own book, you can't pick your own book, favorite sales book other than your own? Uh,
0: My my when favorite. Ask
1: me this question. I'm like, no.
0: Are are you talking about like my favorite all time sales book?
1: Favorite all time.
0: Favorite all time sales book goes to a near and dear friend of mine, Tom Hopkins. How to Master the Art of Selling. It's an oldie. It's a goodie. It still ta- stands the test of time. It's uh, he's been on my podcast twice um he's reached out to me because he started following selling from the heart but it happens to be one of one of my favorite all-time sales books his message will always stand the test of time
1: love it but but, I will, but
0: but oh you're welcome but I will tell you this that um it's rare that i read a sales book these days
1: yeah i'm the same
0: um i'm really into leadership books i'm really into um self-help books Things like that. There's not enough leadership in sales. So, you know, one of the things I'm just a big proponent of is I believe salespeople should read leadership quality books. Nothing wrong with sales books, but you know, to me once you've once you've read a couple of sales books, you've read a lot of sales books.
1: Yeah. No, I'm very much, very much the same with that. The vast majority of what I read is not sales books. Larry, you have been amazing. I honestly am so, 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 so grateful. (laughs) We have got so much out of that. If people want to follow your journey, um, if you're in Australia, I ordered the book via amazon.com and it was super quick, but if people want to follow your journey, where is best for them to connect with you? Where do you hang out?
0: Uh, I hang out on LinkedIn, obviously. So you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, You can find anything you want to find out about Selling from the Heart at sellingfromtheheart.net. You can get access to uh, a couple chapters of the book. You can get access to the podcast. You can get access to articles. There's all kinds of free resources out there. Uh, That's where I hang out.
1: Amazing. Larry, thank you so much. You have been absolutely amazing. Thank you.
0: No, you're very welcome. I loved every second of it. Thanks, Abby.
1: Thank you for tuning in. Now, before you leave us, if you would like to download our latest white paper on the state of sales and marketing, which unpacks four steps to drive hyper growth in your business, please visit whitepaper.salesredefined.com.au. And if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure that you subscribe so that you never miss a future episode. And finally, we would absolutely love it and appreciate it if you could leave us a review and maybe even share with a friend. We'll see you next time.